All right, hello and welcome to uh, Wait a Sec Podcast. It's me, as always, Derek, along with my boy Michael Fenton here. We're just uh, hanging out, having a couple of drinks. Figured we'd talk some sports with you. Uh, we're, before we get started, I'd like to go ahead and remind you, on Facebook, we are at Wait a Sec Podcast. Please like and share if you like what you hear. If not, still do the same. Uh, on Twitter, we're, uh, we're at Wait a Sec Pod or Wait a Sec Podcast, whatever you... I mean, you can find us one way or another at Wait a Sec Podcast. Uh, you just look for us. We'll be there. Um, so, there are several things we're going to go over this, uh, this segment. And uh, the first thing we're going to go over is the TCU-Arkansas basketball Big 12 SEC challenge matchup that they came out with here pretty recently. Uh the that looks like uh, the matchups, which a lot of them sound super enticing, especially Kentucky at Texas Tech, Tennessee at Kansas, Baylor at Florida, Mississippi State at Oklahoma, and then you kind of go to a lower tier there, and it's Missouri at West Virginia, Oklahoma State at A and M, LSU at Texas, Iowa State at Auburn, Kansas State at Alabama, and then of course TCU at Arkansas. So it's in Fayetteville, which is awesome. Uh, so that that should give Arkansas a leg up, especially with the revamp of Arkansas's roster and the revamp of TCU's roster, which they've had major turnover. Also, uh, what what do you think of the like matchups? I mean, what are you most excited to look at? Like, what are you most excited to watch? What what do you want to see here, Michael? Um. I mean, I like that Arkansas is playing somebody they haven't played in a long time. Matter of fact, they've never played TCU in basketball. Really? They've never played TCU in basketball. This will be the first time. And TCU is pretty good. Like, uh, Jamie Dixon's the coach, right? I believe so, yeah. Uh, they both made it to the NIT last year after Texas or after TCU's great run in the NCAA tournament the year before. So it, they both made the NIT, and they both have revamped rosters completely. Uh, obviously, Musselman coming in to uh, coach Arkansas. But, I mean, at the same time, man, TCU, they, for some reason, they always pull pretty good athletes. They have a good football team. Uh, but, you know, uh, that's just athletes in general. It doesn't mean that they're good at what they do. So I, I was going to see, like, out of the rest of the candidates – Besides Arkansas TCU, we know. I mean, since it's the first time they played, we'll see who has bragging rights after this year. But who are you most excited to see? Well, first of all, I think it's awesome that they do this. This is a great idea. A few years ago, it's to brilliant. start this. It's absolutely brilliant. And then to leave out the two bottom feeders, which are I think see if you can Georgia and Georgia. Uh, That's correct. Who is the worst team? Vanderbilt. Were they the worst team in the they SEC? They were the worst last? team in the SEC last year, yeah. yeah. Vandy Vandy was the worst, and then Georgia. I mean, uh, yeah, Georgia, Georgia, Georgia wasn't game. bad. Georgia wasn't bad, Yeah, but they weren't good. So those are the two teams that were left out, Georgia and Vandy. But other than that, every other team plays another Big 12 team. I think it's a good matchup. They get it at home. Uh, Arkansas is a lot better at it home, It should obviously. draw a huge crowd. And typically two bubble teams, you know. TCU and Arkansas. Yeah. 
Oh, yeah. Uh, but the most exciting one, I think, has got to be Kentucky at Texas Tech. That'll be a grind-out, knock-down, punch-you-in-the-face game. And, I don't know, Tennessee at Kansas, if it would have been last year, that'd be a really good game. But I, I think, think it'll ten- be good this year. Yeah, I think Tennessee's lost a lot from their... They had a lot of seniors last year, but they should yeah. be good again. Yeah. See... Out of all those that you mentioned, I mean, obviously, Kentucky at Texas Tech is probably going to be the best marquee matchup. They're going to be on ESPN at 7 p.m., more than likely. Uh, outside of that, man, I, I'd LSU have to... LSU at Texas? That's pretty good. I'd game. have to say LSU at Texas is a really, really intriguing game for me. I, I, I want to see LSU beat Texas because I hate Texas, but then again, I want Texas to beat LSU because I hate LSU. I think LSU is super overhyped since the whole Ben Simmons era. I think Ben Simmons raised that program way more than they actually are. So, I, I at least in my opinion. Yeah, this is about the only time I root for SEC across the board is in this challenge. You know, really? Because it, um, it strengthens your strength of schedule and your conference reputation, you know. And, it might, and that's good for a tournament. It could possibly strengthen the bid for them to get into the NCAA tournament. I, I'm i not sold that, that this is the catalyst, though. Arkansas needs to do something in the regular season. I mean, this is, this is all fun and games, and it's super fun, but Arkansas needs to do something. They, they can't just win this game and then be happy. They need to kick ass in the entire SEC, ter- uh, the entire SEC season. I'm almost more excited to watch Arkansas basketball this year than Arkansas football just because it's so unknown as to what Arkansas is going to be in basketball. Like, maybe Musselman has a great first year. I mean, you just never know. Like, with Chad Morris, you know, we saw how the first year went, and people's expectations aren't very high for this year. But in basketball, like, anything could happen, you know. Oh, yeah. No, I, I, I agree. Um, okay, so let me ask you this then. Because I, I personally think that Arkansas is going to make the tournament. I think they're going to be good enough to make the tournament. They, it, they, they'll be a bubble team. It's so hard they, to they'll say. Be, they'll be a 10-11 seed probably in the bubble. But who would you rather have as your coach right now? Musselman or Chris Beard? Oh, Chris Beard. Is Why? Proven. I think he's the best coach in college basketball. No. I no. think so. No way. Dude, you're you're out of your mind. He took Texas Tech to the championship game and sh- probably should have won it. He had the best player in Texas Tech history come through. I don't take him care, out. Man. Take him take take Look him out. Look what he did with UALR. I mean, granted, UALR was a nothing program, but look who they had to play when he was at UALR. He didn't play anybody. That dude is, if he's not the best coach in college basketball, he's top five. I'm not saying he's a bad coach. I'm not saying he's a bad coach. I think he's a really, really good coach. Okay? I think there are, there's at least five coaches I'd take before Chris Beard. As my head coach for a basketball program. At least. At least five. Now, Musselman, granted... Wouldn't be one of them? He, he, no, he would not be one of them. But I'm not... It, it's all about fit. It's all about fit. 
If Musselman fits what Arkansas wants to try and do, I'm all in. If he doesn't, they'll move on within three years, maybe four, depending depending on how they do. I personally think they'll make it this year. I'm optimistic about him. I am too. Oh, absolutely. This guy knows X's and O's like, uh, oh man, this guy knows X's and O's better than a lot of coaches that I've watched. Outside of Tom Izzo, Mike Krzyzewski, you know, the, the big, big names, the big names. He knows X's and O's. He coached in the NBA. He knows how to get players in the NBA. I think players are going to respond to that. I agree. And it, that actually leads me into a segue to uh, uh, to Arkansas football and basketball recruiting. Um, so basketball recruiting, Arkansas is in the mix for a ton, a ton of five-star players and four-star players, by the way. Uh, I'll just name a few names, um, but just FYI, they if we are even in the cut for them, that shows that Musselman knows how to recruit pretty, at least well, very well. Uh, the five-star names that he has, at least coming to campus, that said that they're going to come to campus and check it out, uh, they are, so five-star players, Namari Burnett, he's a shooting guard who is top, uh, by the way, uh, just, to throw that out there, uh, five stars are usually top twenty-five in the overall rankings in the in the country. So he has Namari Burnett, Harrison Ingram, Moses Moody, who by the way is from Little Rock. He's a five-star player who is incredibly interested in playing for Musselman, and then you have Bryce Thompson, who is in uh, uh, Tulsa, who was who's known. The latest coaching hire, uh, Crutchfield. I can't remember his first name. I'm sorry. Uh, I believe it's Andrew Crutchfield. Maybe uh, Crutchfield. He he's known Bryce Thompson since Bryce Thompson was four or five years old, and Crutchfield has coached Buddy Heald and uh, oh god Trey Young. So he coached them both, and Musselman hired him to come on as an assistant coach. That is some high pedigree. So if you can go out and get some of these guards that are transcendent in college basketball, like Trey Young or Buddy Hill, like let, let's say let's say they get Moses Moody and then they get another five-star guard, okay? They could be dynamic, absolutely dynamic in a year or two. May not be this year, but they'll be really, really good in a, in a year or two. Yeah, I mean, I would love that, man. I would love to see Arkansas basketball back in the tournament. It just makes it, it's probably my favorite sporting event of any is the NCAA tournament in basketball. Really? Yeah. And it's just not quite as good when Arkansas is not in it. So just well, find obviously. a way, just find a way to make it in the tournament. Obviously it's not going to be as good if Arkansas is not in it, but Okay. So outside of March Madness, what's your favorite sporting event? Or okay, maybe not your favorite, but in America, the most important sporting event. 
Like the one that everybody watches. Uh, NFL playoffs, the wild yeah. card weekend. Yeah, that, the wild that's card a, weekend that's all given. the way up till the NFC and AFC championships. Not even the Super Bowl. I mean, the I, Super uh, this, Bowl to me, it's usually a couple of teams I don't really care for at the end. Usually, and it's yeah. just a two week thing. It's just drawn out. It's a lot of hype. I'm with you for that. Yeah. All right. What about globally? Well, the World Cup globally. World Cup. Which I, I love watching. I love watching the World Cup, dude. But that's one also where the USA has to be in it for me to really care a whole lot about it. Like, I'll watch, you know, the semifinal and the final if it's not the U.S., which it's never going to be the men. Uh, you, mm, you I mean, that would be awesome you don't if know someday that. that was the case. Dude, I watch the World Cup regardless. I love the World Cup. It's wonderful to watch. There are so many games, and they all matter. And not only that, but, I mean, if a team wins or loses, it's like you're living and dying by how they do. Like, every country that's in that, you're trying to tell me that not every person in that country is watching that game. And if they lose, they're not fucking disappointed as hell at the end of that game, and they're not drinking themselves retarded. Tell me I'm wrong. I mean, that is the yeah, biggest globally, sports event is, on the planet. the best event. By yeah. far. But by it, far. It only comes around every four years, right? Yeah, yeah. So it'll be... Uh, I, it, so the Women's World Cup was this year. They, they kind of do it like the Olympics. So it's every other, every other two years. Hopefully the men qualify. So the men, the men should qualify. They're good enough. They're good enough. They played Mexico in the CONCAF or Mexico in the CONCAF final and lost by a goal. They're good enough, and Mexico is one of the top uh, seven or Mexico, eight. Yeah, Mexico is one of the top seven or eight teams in the world. Yeah. So then they lost by a goal. They're they're good enough. They'll make it this year. Last year or last World Cup, they were awful, uh, and there's no way around it. Um, so anyway, back to, sorry, back to, uh, we kind of got off track, uh, college basketball. So Crutchfield being hired was a brilliant move by Musselman. Why? Because he, not only does he bring the pedigree of coaching Trey Young and Buddy Heald, but he also has those five stars involved. And then he has a bevy of four stars. I mean, and I'm just going to name three off the, uh, from what I have written down, three that they have high four stars, like top 100 recruits in the country wanting to at least take a visit. All those five stars I mentioned want to take a visit, by the way. Uh, Trey Alexander, Jackson Robinson, and Damian Collins. Uh, Trey Alexander's a guard, Jackson Robinson's a guard, and Damian Collins is a center. All of them are juniors, they're juniors, but they're top 100 nationally. And they could rise in the rankings. They could. So, it, Musselman does a good job of getting, uh, like, uh, uh, JUCO players and graduate transfers to kind of balance out the new recruits that he gets. So, if he gets some of those recruits, it's going to be great. Going to be great for us. Agreed. I hope he gets some big guys. That's what we we need some men. Yeah, we need some men. Some as giants. Larry Johnson pointed out to us whenever we were in what 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 was it ninety two or ninety three before 
we went out and got Corliss and Scotty and all those boys, and then we went on to win the title. I think it was 92, actually, that uh, uh, UNC, or what was it, uh, UNLV came in and beat us, and he hollered at uh, Coach Richardson on the sideline and said, you need to get you some men. And Richardson did it. And so hopefully Musselman does the same. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. To get back to those days, wouldn't that be nice? Hey, <laughs> now. We'll get there. There's not it a just whole takes lot of, a little bit of time, all right? Not a whole lot of feel-good around Razorback Athletics. Uh, man, I, I don't know. I mean, I mean, out, out, outside of the big three. Outside of the big three, the baseball team is pretty much what we have to hang our hats on right now. Uh, football, basketball, not really. Uh, we'll see with basketball. I think basketball is going to be pretty good uh, next year. I really do. I think they'll make the tournament. Football. Football has a long way to go. Yeah. Uh, speaking of football, we actually did get uh, several, or actually two, three, four, four commitments since we last talked. Uh, one of them being Martavius French. He's out of Memphis. He's a four-star linebacker. Uh, matter of fact, he's an inside linebacker, which is huge. Yeah, you can never have too many linebackers. No, I was God, no. That. And uh, I, I heard something interesting. Martavius French is the highest-rated linebacker we had since Sam Olajabutu. Uh Coming out, or uh, no? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I'm, I'm wrong. Uh, Bumper Pool. He's the highest linebacker since Bumper Pool. However, Bumper Pool is only a sophomore, so that's encouraging. The fact that they're getting these four-star linebackers, and a matter of fact. Uh, uh, what's it called? The uh, uh, the Woo Pignic is this weekend, which is a huge recruiting tool for uh, Chad Morris. He's going to have something like 25, 30 players on campus that are interested in coming to Arkansas. And what he does is he gets this barbecue together at his house, and all these recruits come to his house, and then he tries to pitch them on coming to Arkansas. And last year, after the Woo Picnic, in three or four days after the Woo Picnic, they ended up having four commits, three or four commits. And uh, one of those that are coming is uh, Martavius French's uh, uh, running mate at Whitehaven in Memphis, Bryson Eason, who is also a four-star in, or outside linebacker. So if they were able to get him along with a few others, man, they, they could be pretty dangerous next year, at least recruiting-wise. What are your thoughts? Hit me. Hit me. I agree, but I heard somewhere that right now they're number 12 out of 14 SEC teams. I mean... That's correct, yeah. Hopefully. No, I don't know if that includes these new commitments. Maybe they it need does. recalibrated, it does. but... That just tells uh, you how brutal it is. Yeah, that's kind of disheartening. You know, you. Well, that's where you rely on uh, player development, and not only that, yeah, but, but that's... scouting, dude. You have to scout players before they're ranked. If you scout players and they're good enough to be on the Razorback football team, you have to get on them early. I mean, and I hope early. he can start developing them because I don't feel like I know we're down in talent compared to the rest of the teams in the league. But that's when you gotta you gotta like out coach them, you know. You gotta coach them up a little bit, and I don't feel like they did that at all last year. Dude, it's a totally new system. 
How can you hold that against Chad Boris? I don't know, man. It's, it's a like, totally new set. He it said feels himself. like they almost got worse as the year went on. Well, nah, uh, that may be true. That may be true, but it, it may just be apathy. You lose a bunch of games, you're going to not want to play as hard. Let's be real about that. I mean, it's If football, you're in you a bunch of games, if you're in a bunch of games, like within 10 points in the fourth quarter, you're going to play a lot harder. You might not be the most talented or the biggest or the strongest or the fastest, but you should at minimum play hard, you know, if you got a good coaching staff. See, okay, I agree with where your head's at. I disagree with how you feel. Like, I don't... I think they'll be lucky to win one conference game next year. I think they'll win two. I hope you're right, but I just don't see where the wins are going to come. Okay, that's fair. But, I mean, if they win... Let's say they win all four conference games. Or, uh, I'm sorry, all four non-conference games. And then a conference game. It's five and seven. To me... That's, That's an improvement. And he said himself, Chad Morris said himself, last year he only put in 30%. 30% of the playbook. Yeah, I mean, that's that's hopeful. I, th- I think going 5-7, and seven, winning one conference game is kind of the solid performer. You know, like the... That's the bar you want to at least get to. Go one and seven in the conference. I mean, as terrible as that sounds, beat your cupcakes because the schedule of the four non-conferences is not very good. You should win all those, and then to go one and seven in the conference, I think that's kind of the the middle that's of the, the road. bar for you. That's the bar. Based on what I saw last year, yes. Okay. But I'm not even I'm not even hopeful that they'll. I mean, I'm hopeful, but if I had to, if I had gun to my head, pick it, I don't think they're winning a single conference game. Really? Yeah, dude, I disagree totally. They're gonna win at least one conference game, at least. But with, yeah, with, with the freshmen coming in, they're gonna have to play some of those ridiculously talented freshmen that they brought in. Yeah, and not only that, they don't have to play them all year. The redshirt rule says you can play them in any four games before they can redshirt them, right? So let's say they, they play Trey Knox, because Trey Knox is expected to be the guy. So let's say they play Trey Knox three games, and he doesn't do as well as they thought. Well, he's going to play more than three games. Well, well uh, of course, but I'm, I'm, this is hypothetical. So if, if Trey Knox plays four games, right? And they don't like what they see, they can shut them down and be like, you know what? You need to work a little harder or, you know, or but whatever. All the other SEC teams can do that too now. I agree. Like, we're at a disadvantage but, in every facet of the game, and that's why I don't think. See, I, I think this redshirt rule actually gives us an advantage. It gives us an advantage. It gives them a taste of how good they actually need to be, and then they'll go back and work harder. But how does that give Arkansas an advantage? Because every team has that. Fair enough. But okay, say say Auburn comes into town, which they're going to do this year, and Auburn plays. Uh, let, let let's say eight freshmen, right? 
and those eight freshmen kick our teeth in, like absolutely annihilate us. Okay, so those eight freshmen that got a taste of what it's like to play in the SEC and kicked our ass, they're going to go back and be like, we're good enough to play in the SEC. We'll work, but we won't work as hard. Now, our players will see that and use it as fuel to the fire. And they're going to go in and they're going to work their goddamn asses off all summer long. That's how I see it. I hope it. so. I, I hope so, too. And, th- and that's where your advantage turns into a wash, in my opinion. At least a wash. And that's how Chad Morris is going to have to get this team back He's going to have to stack good recruiting classes on top of good recruiting classes for three to four years. I agree. And he's come out and said that exact same thing. He has come out and said and, that exact same thing. And even then, Arkansas's classes are still in the bottom half of the conference. Recruiting season ain't over, bud. And you're already at the bottom. It ain't over, bud. They've got time. Now, it's a, a good lo- time a of year because they're undefeated right now. I agree. <laughs> now, a lot of these four-star recruits that they're bringing in for the Woo Pignic, Woo Pignic, sorry, <laughs> Woo Pignic. I, th- I think that's what they call it. He but the Woo Pig well. Picnic, Woo Pignic is what I call it. Uh, a lot of these four stars that they're bringing in want to see how we do this year. So, if we exceed expectations, expectations, or at least meet them. They're going to be interested because they're like, you know what? These guys are improving, and in three years, they could be dangerous, and then they'll jump on board. So it all it there's a lot that relies on this year, but at the same time, you know, it it's we'll see. I mean, I, I I'm with you on being cautiously optimistic. I'm with you on that, but I'm also looking at the big picture and the big picture is huge like they could be really good if they if they work hard if he keeps recruiting at the level that he is i mean the first year he had a better recruiting class than bobby petrino ever had and he was he hadn't even coached a game yeah i don't he know goes, he goes, I, mean, I, I take that back he goes two and ten and he gets a better recruiting class than Petrino ever had, at least uh, composite-wise, uh, star-wise. But he pales in comparison as a coach to Bobby Petrino. You don't know opinion. that yet. You're right. You don't know You're that You're right. Yet. I should give him more of the benefit you of You should. Doubt. I agree. You should. But Petrino's classes, no, they weren't highly touted, but they were probably ranking somewhere the same in the SEC as they are now. They are. Uh, pretty close. Like actually. so, everybody's really up their game, and it's like Arkansas has not gained any ground. Well, yes, we're getting better recruits, but so is everybody else in the conference. So we're not really making it anywhere. Okay, you can make the same argument for Petrino. And Petrino would still coach him up. We win ten, eleven games. See, I've done quite a bit of research on Petrino. He shows up, he coaches him up, he gets a couple of good recruiting classes, and then he hits the freaking dirt he hits the dirt quick uh no pun intended by the way well like at louisville it it turns south there at the end both terms both times yeah both times here he had 
two good recruited classes, and then the recruiting classes went downhill quick. And he he coached his way, or but who's I, I to say? That. You know, his, nobody his, knows. Let, let's be real. His dick coached his way out <laughs> of this league. But nobody knows. Like, had that motorcycle accident not happened, like what would have been of the Arkansas program? What he could have. I disagree. Continued to build. I disagree. That because the resources that here defense was are better off. than at Louisville. Uh, granted, they they are. But his defense here at Arkansas was not awful. that awful. No, it's it's worse last year. It was so much worse last year than Granted, any but, of Trino's defense. But you're you're coaching up players that played in a totally different scheme. That's the thing. Give it a year or two, and I bet everybody I bet, puts I bet all Chad this. Chad Morris has a better record than Bobby Petrino does. And win? To be ten or eleven. Four, wins? Okay, so let's say year four. I'm betting Chad Morris has at least nine wins. Year four, at least nine. I mean, that would be awesome. Year four. So after this year, he has another recruiting class, and then he has another recruiting class. And then the year after that, year four, which will be his year four season, he'll have nine at least. I hope you're right. Mark me. All you people listening, mark me. This is going to happen. I'm a big believer in Chad Morris. Big believer. Okay. Sorry. We got off on a little bit of a tangent. So uh, so the, la- the last thing that uh, I'm going to bring up real quick. Um, this is kind of a, a random thing that I saw. Mm-hmm. But uh, Michael Phelps has been bested twice. When it comes to world records. Did you hear about this? I did not. Okay. So a Hungarian swimmer by the name of Christoph Milak. Okay. Uh, I, he's 19 years old. He broke Phelps's 200 meter fly record. He's 19 and broke it by almost a second. His world record broke Michael Phelps's world record. By almost a second. And he's 19. This dude is a monster. So that was the first record that was broken of Michael Phelps's. Right? Mm-hmm. The second one is by a guy by the name of uh, Caleb Dressel. And Caleb Dressel is 22. He's American. He topped Phelps's 10-year uh, Phelps's record in the 100-meter fly. By, uh, I believe, uh, just over three-tenths of a second. So, there are young swimmers that are coming up that are ridiculously good. And so, to me, that makes me super excited for uh, Tokyo 2020. Yeah, I like Super excited. I like the 100-meter, 200-meter swimming events. Oh, yeah. They're they're super fun to watch. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. No, I, I agree. But the fact that both of these guys, both these cats, broke Phelps' records. Phelps, the best swimmer in history. Arguably the best Olympian in history. Not even arguably. To me, he is the best Olympian in history. Yeah. They broke his records. But, you know, gold medals is what makes you the greatest ever. So, I mean, they're going to have to do it in Tokyo. And they're going to have to do it 
wherever the next Summer Olympics is. That's fair. However, I will counter with these were in the World Championships. So, like the second. Which, by the way, which, by the way, both records were broken by Phelps in the World Championships, not in the Olympics. Really? Yes. So he has no Olympic records. Michael Phelps has plenty of Olympic records and world records. But these two cats beat him in legit records overall. Hungarian, that makes me think of like dudes on steroids or some kind no, of No, no. No, you're, you're, you're thinking of Russians. You're thinking of Russians. Isn't Hungary kind of close to there? Hungary. Eastern Europe there. Hungary is in kind of Central Eastern Europe, yeah, kind of. Uh, uh, just above, or let's see. Okay, so Hungary is to the east of Austria and to the north of Croatia. So, I mean, Central Eastern European, but you think of steroids and you think of Russia, right? Russia yeah. is Eastern European easily. These This cat... He's not from Eastern Europe, in my opinion. He's from Central Eastern. I, I don't know if that makes much of a difference, but it doesn't matter. This dude obliterated Michael Phelps's record. Obliterated it. And then Caleb Dressel, he's an American who beat it by three-tenths of a second, over three-tenths of a second, which is still pretty damn remarkable. So, needless to say, Tokyo 2020 is going to be fun to watch. It's going to be super fun. Yeah. I want to see some records broken. I want to see some awesome swims, just like we saw in uh, 2008, whenever Phelps was doing that 400-meter relay. Yeah, those relays that, are really good. That 400-meter relay is by far and away the best I've ever seen. And I, I want to see more of that. I want to see some intrigue and this definitely builds some intrigue for the Olympics. Agreed. Anything else you want to add? Anything. Talk to me. <laughs> Talk to me, Michael. Talk to me. No, that was a uh, pretty random. I, I did not know that. Yeah. Yeah. I told you I had a wild card for you tonight at the least. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. Well, we're, uh, we're out of here for now. But we'll uh, we'll be back at you next week. We'll talk to you soon. Uh, don't forget, please like and share on Facebook, Wait a Sec Podcast, and also on Twitter, Wait a Sec underscore Pod or Wait a Sec P. It doesn't matter. You can find us just by putting in Wait a Sec. We're the only ones. So just put us in, like and share, follow us. We'll talk to you soon. Bye, guys.